Hello, hello. This is Kim Addis. I am the president and founder of Frame of Mind Coaching, and you have just joined the Frame of Mind Coaching podcast, where we invite leaders from all over the world to come onto the podcast and get coached live and in person. Today, it's my pleasure to introduce Elizabeth Cook. She is the president or the CEO, the founder of a company called Digni Technologies. Elizabeth, welcome. Thanks. So where are you in the world and what is Digni Technologies? Uh, I'm in Vancouver, BC, and um, Digni is a software company. We've created the uh, tools to be able to measure diversity and improve inclusion in the workplace. Okay, so tell us a little bit more about how that works, because that's very interesting. It's Mm -hmm. a hot topic right now, and it's coming a lot. uh, It's coming up a lot for me in particular. So tell me a little bit more about your software. How do you measure that? Yeah, so we use it to we survey uh, employees uh, in the workplace. Um, So we have our own measurement scale um, to to survey for demographics, uh, various uh, demographics and diversity uh, metrics across an organization. And then we also survey for employee engagement and what really makes us stand out because some people are you know already working in the space of measuring employee engagement, but what we do is we really pull up intersectionality. So often when we talk about diversity, you can be one thing, you can be uh, a woman or you can have a disability or you can be gay or you can be trans. Um, but using our software, uh, we, we allow the, just the functionality of pulling up uh, more, than, more than one of those so that you can uh, actually look at intersectionality and get a real understanding of who it is that works there. We're always talking about trying to change behaviors and cultures and attitude, but if we're not measuring anything, we don't have anything to compare any of our initiatives or, or our progress uh, uh, against. Uh, we don't we don't have a way to, to see what's working and what's not if we're not uh, measuring. So that's what we do. Okay. And how long how long have you been doing this for? Uh, Digby's been around for three years, uh, okay. and I've been working in the DEI space for over over ten. Ooh, yeah over 10. Okay, amazing. And how are things going? They're going really well. I mean, we've did talking about diversity and inclusion, uh, and particularly the business case for diversity and inclusion in that, you know, there's a lot more money to be made if you're diverse and inclusive. Uh, you have better business results and staff retention. That, that research has been around for more than 15 years now. Um, but we're really starting to see a, a shift with, uh, with particularly with employers, around moving from that progressive messaging to progressive action. It's no longer okay to just slap a pride sticker on something and say that you support your employees. You actually have to show how it is that you're doing that. And um, it obviously goes without saying that uh, the events of last year uh, and the media attention that the Black Lives Matter uh, movement received for the cultural shift that's taking place in the States uh, in particular really supported, uh, you know, the, the increased need for, um, some meaningful work in the, in, in the diversity, inclusion, uh, and equity space. Sometimes justice is included in there as well. Interesting. I don't know if you know, but I interviewed the uncle of George Floyd not that long ago on this oh, podcast. Did you? Yeah, very, very interesting mm-hmm. experience for me because he was close, very, very close to his nephew. Mm-hmm. And his perspective was, you know, pretty raw, pretty real, pretty, very interesting, um, if you want to mm-hmm. listen to it, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll send that your way. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is your greatest challenge right now as a business owner or as a woman running a business or just as a human running a business? 
Uh, well, I think just as a as a person running a business, um, the challenge that I have is um, how to make sure that I'm being as as effective and efficient as possible um, within the confines of you know confines of only having 24 hours in every day. Yeah, uh, that's that's a real challenge. And looking at um, you know, there, I mean, there's I think a lot of practical implications, um, you know, of of working remotely, uh, you know, that are around. Someone can't just sort of stick their head in my office and get my attention. Where, you know, we're doing things uh, virtually, which is that much more challenging. But actually, being able to um, uh, to balance that, not being around other folks, um, and being able to have you know back to back meetings in what is a much bigger time saver. You know, like I used to run around the city having like a lunch and two coffees and maybe an after work drink with, with different clients. And now like I can see different clients and potential clients back to back all day long. I don't have to run around the city, especially in the rain and heels anymore. Um, which is a bit of a gift if I'm honest, especially living in Vancouver. Um, but actually being able to efficiently make uh, time for everything um, that, that, you know, is it, I'm needed for as a, as a woman in tech and as a, as a gay woman in tech, uh, I, I tick a lot of boxes for a lot of different um, organizations that want to really, you know, promote uh, women in tech um, and, and, and women um, generally. So uh, there's a lot of time um, of mine that gets dedicated to sort of being um I don't like the term figurehead. Someone else that we work with said show pony once. I don't particularly like that one either. A face uh, but of the I, company. Yeah, I just, I kind of end up being in that position where, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a, a lot of people want to, to talk to me as the, the CEO or me as a, as an individual entrepreneur um, or clients want to talk to me because I'm overseeing, you know, the, the services that we're providing them. And, that's just really challenging. Uh, and, you know, when we're looking at scaling our business, I, I'm trying to find some yep. efficient ways to, to manage that. So that's, that's okay. becoming more, more challenging. So my, it's funny, I had a conversation about scaling a little bit earlier today, but a slightly different conversation about strategies around scaling. It was not so much about how the leader maximizes their own impact. And in mm-hmm. a way, that's your question. It's a little bit different than, you know, like, what are the strategies for scaling in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, licensing, product development, bringing mm-hmm. on new people? And it sounds like you've brought on some new people on board, but mm-hmm. still you're required for a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. So my, my first piece of advice is to do a, a term of observation, we could say, right? Mm-hmm. And so what I mean by that, it's like, for example, if somebody wants to start losing weight, the first thing they do is they, they, they start tracking what they're currently eating and they start to understand what's going in their bodies. And for you, uh, it's very important for you to track what you're actually doing. Luckily, Mm -hmm. your calendar can help. But Mm -hmm. in the tracking, you want to make an assessment, ask yourself some key questions. Was I necessary for this uh, appointment? Could somebody Mm -hmm. else have done it instead of me? And by somebody else, I'm not asking, do I have anybody else to do it? But is this something that somebody else could do with Mm -hmm. a specific skill set? Right, yeah. Because sometimes we think, well, there's nobody around because they're not already on the team. But mm-hmm. is this something that could live without me? In other words, am I the only person in the world that could give value to this conversation? And what you'll find is that very often uh, we attach ourselves to needing to be in places where perhaps we don't really need to be there. And so the first thing is to recognize where 
you are really truly needed, where there is no other voice, no other face, no other person on the planet who could fill this role. And you'll start to notice that there are lots of places where someone else can fill the role. Mm-hmm. So, so step one is just noticing that spot, those places where you're stepping in, where you don't need to step in. The mm-hmm. second part of it is to say, okay, so what skill sets are required? What do I do in these situations where nobody else is quite equipped yet? And what, what, what do I need to do to bring them up to speed? And so, you know, I understand again, that you have people that you are training and bringing on board and the training process is a little bit of a you know, it's a beast, but it's also a magical thing because Mm -hmm. um, the way we train is really important. And so usually we train one person and great, they're up and running and then that's it. But what the opportunity is when you're training someone is actually to create training processes, manuals, Mm -hmm. so that you have a system for all the things that you do that are almost even intangible, even the intangible things can be trained. And why Mm -hmm. do I say that? Because my experience is that I train people in the frame of mind coaching method. I train my coaches, which is completely intangible, Mm -hmm. completely, right? But there are methods for doing that. Once you start to examine, here's what I did. So let's say you're in a conversation with a client and you have someone who's joining you, who's a trainee. What you do is you debrief and you say, here's exactly what happened write it down, track it. Here's what happens in meetings. Here are the three or 10 things we cover in every meeting. Make sure you have that checklist every time you come in a meeting. Mm-hmm. And so what you're doing is you're, you know, I don't know if you have kids, but I have lots of them. I have five of them. So let's say this is my child and I'm handing it to you. I don't just throw it at you and hope you're going to catch it, right? Mm-hmm. I hold on to it. And when your hands are on it and they're safely on it, then I let go. Mm-hmm. Right. But I only let go when I'm feeling good that you're holding it carefully. Does that make sense? Uh, it does make sense. Yeah. So, so what you want to do is the same thing. And you want to, what you want to do is you want to like, if you're up front, you want to slowly, slowly, gradually, right. Back up. Yeah. But at this point, you want to make sure you're all aligned. And so um, if you're in a meeting and right now you're the front facing person, you mm-hmm. want to give that person a little bit of airtime. And over time, you want to give that person more and more airtime. But mm-hmm. after every meeting, you want to debrief. Mm-hmm. You want to say, what just happened? What are the things that are always happening in these meetings? So we have a structure and a format for these meetings. And once there's a structure and a format, and it's written down, and it's in a book, and it's mm-hmm. trainable, you back out. Mm-hmm. You want to capture as many of those as possible. Because here's the thing right? There's a magic to Elizabeth Cook that Elizabeth Cook doesn't even know or understand. The only time she realizes or can understand what her magic is, is when she gets to train someone else. You're like, oh, I didn't realize that that's what I do, that that's my approach. Mm. The minute you need to explain it to somebody else, the minute it's encapsulated and it's transferable. And that's your task right now. You can see you thinking. I, yeah, I'm thinking about that because I, <clears throat> I can see some ways that we have done that just in, in, you know, in establishing a policy manual and, you know, the way that we interact with clients and making sure that, you know, there's there's consistency across what we do. And it's sort of not just uh, a consistency that lives in my head and my own checklist that we've actually created those. Um, and, and we have. So that piece, there might be a little bit more wiggle room um, 
on that in terms of uh, of establishing those kind of processes in the in the, in the system. Um, and the piece that I think is interesting is thinking about that first step of, of you know developing like a term of observation and looking at you know my time and where how that time gets spent. Um, and you know, if there's a, just a skill set that we haven't hired for yet that that could take some of that on. Um, I think there's probably some more room in there. Yeah, and and also I think sometimes challenging yourself. Like I know in my organization, I work with my husband, and he often says nobody else could do that, only you. And I'm yeah. like, there's just no way. There's no yeah. way that I'm the only person in the world who could do that. Yeah, that just can't be. I can't grow if that's my philosophy. So my yeah. philosophy is everything I do is is pass onable. Everything mm-hmm. I do is pass onable. Mm-hmm. I could find some somebody to replace me in every place. Maybe not in its entirety, but if mm-hmm. I break it down, I could find someone to do this and this mm-hmm. and this, and they could put it together, and there you have it. Yeah, like it occur it occurs to me that like the the outcome I think could be achievable for anybody, but the method that you go about doing that is the one that, you know, like I would have to you know, be that classic. You'd have to accept that somebody could get the same outcome by doing something a little bit differently um, than me and that that would be okay as well. Well, um, and and perhaps you don't have to accept that they would get the same outcome. Perhaps mm-hmm. you can accept two things. One is that they might get a better out- outcome. But mm-hmm. also maybe they don't get as good of an outcome, but that your time is better spent elsewhere. And so that together you're you're achieving a better outcome. Mm-hmm. Right. When you're doing things that have higher overall value and you're letting some of this other stuff go, right? All together it has greater value. So the pie becomes bigger. Even if they're not as good as you. Well, I appreciate you saying that. That makes me feel much better about trying to find little minions. Um, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. But that does, um, that, that does make sense. I can, I can see how uh, we could uh, approach that issue from a different way. Right. And, and I think for me, like the big, big, big thing is, is having a mindset or a, a thinking approach that says there's nothing here that can't be done by someone else. Mm-hmm. And when we have that approach, then our ability to be creative about replacing ourselves becomes more, um, more established. So there was a time, for example, when I thought I could be the only writer, the writer of content for the company. And I realized that's not true. Mm-hmm. I can create a short video and that short video can become an article, can become a blog, can become a short video, can become a lot of different things but I don't have to be the writer. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily think of it as like replacing myself in things, but I think I would think of it as like, it, that's where the, that's what the growth looks like. And it becomes more of an evolution of being, you know, finding things that I do um, that can have a bit of a different shape and be taken on by other people, uh, you know, in a, in, in a different role, um, which would free up my time to, you know, to evolve my, my position and my, and my, my outcomes and, 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 look at some different objectives that, uh, that I have. One of the things that I always think about when I think about my company is that it's the playground where I get to grow mm-hmm. personally, right? Personally, professionally, mm-hmm. but it's my playground. I created it. I invented it. And so mm-hmm. some of the questions you might want to ask yourself is how do I want to grow? What do I want next for me? And in order for me to have that, I need to create a little bit more time for myself, mm-hmm. but what's my next move? And that creates a little bit of inspiration to get to that next place. 
and let some things off your off your list of responsibilities. Let some of those go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I can certainly see how transferring some of those um, into a role that we don't necessarily already have. And and just to go back to one more thing, like you said that you're creating um, manuals, et cetera, and that that's already a lot of that is in place. I encourage you to think about also creating manuals or, you know, guidelines for things that are not so tangible mm-hmm. and um, things that you don't realize that you do or you think or that you have a specific approach to things uh, that are also worth capturing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we have we have done that. I mean, because a, a huge portion of our team is the tech team, is the, the software developers and engineers, uh, you know, and looking at some ways to... Uh, really define some of the like the creativity that's going on there and how we're evolving our products, um, you know, to respond to, to, to the market, I think is, is a piece that we do, we do really account for that and realizing, you know, that we want to change and grow and, and, and evolve, but we don't necessarily know what that looks like right now. Um, then, that, and that's something that we do, that we do kind of track and, uh, uh, and, and articulate, which can, like, as you said, can be more difficult, but it is an area that we, that we do look at. I have to say that the project you're working on, your company, your business, and what it stands for is really mm-hmm. exciting. Mm-hmm. It's really, really interesting. And I, I expect, I anticipate that many companies are going to be tapping into your services um, to level up their own diversity inclusion initiative. So I'm super excited. I hope that I get a chance to look at your product too one day. Um, well, and, we could arrange a, we could arrange a demo for you. That wouldn't be a problem at all. Um, and then, and we are seeing a lot of growth, you know, and we're seeing it across. You know, it's one of the things with COVID is you, we weren't really sure what the market would look like, but we've seen we've seen steady growth across, you know, public, private, not for profit, and government I, organizations. I'm not surprised. I think you're yeah. going to explode pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, and you're going to need like that infrastructure in place where you're not doing everything. Like yeah. that's that's your that's your task over the next you know 12 months is mm-hmm. to really create that uh, a, mm-hmm. a plus team. Well, and that's the bit that, you know, I think is challenging too. When we look at, you know, uh, we talk a lot with our clients around the corporate pipeline and where people are coming in, in their careers and what, you know, different uh, diversity metrics, you know, th- th- they, they retain because a lot of research shows, you know, women, you know, might come at entry level, but they don't move past that, that first rung. It's not necessarily a glass ceiling. It's that they can't actually get the first rung on the ladder to move up and advance their their careers or you see people leaving organizations and not sort of staying the course to advance all, all, all the way up. So we're quite mindful when we hire um, to ensure that, you know, we do have our own inclusive hiring practices and, you know, we tend to hire people um, earlier on in their career so that they can grow with us uh, and learn with us, it's especially on the, on the tech side, there's so much um, you can learn around uh, being a developer. Um, on the job that you don't necessarily have to go and, and, and you know complete formal schooling for because formal schooling can be a real barrier to a variety of different folks. So we do we do kind of uh, uh, look at how we go with that, but then we do. Uh, there are other positions that you know require a higher level of skill, um, and looking to find those people can provide a variety of different challenges. But uh, inclusive hiring just requires, I think, a lot a lot a lot of time and energy and making sure that we keep to those core values that we have um, for our business um, 
while we're while we're doing that and, and exploring what skill set is, is required like what can somebody learn on the job and learn with us and what is something that they need to walk in the door with I think is another piece of that conversation that we need to have internally yeah but uh, when you start to look at what you can offload and what mm-hmm. you would like someone else to do it becomes easier to identify the skill sets you're looking for and mm-hmm. so you know it's kind of like let's start with us and then let's look to see what we need to fill up our Mm-hmm. Uh, our, you know, skill set roster. Mm-hmm. Well, what, sorry, what I think I'm trying to say is I'm just mindful that when we look at the skill sets that we're looking for, that we need to be aware of, you know, is it something that is, you know, learned? Is it something that is going to come because they have a piece of paper from a particular, you know, educational yeah. institution? Like, where, you know, where are they coming from? I think that's that's a really important piece because sometimes we get this preconceived notion of, oh, well, I need somebody that can do this. And that person looks like this and does this. And we don't hire like that. We, you know, uh, we really try to be very inclusive and reduce barriers to people to ensure that, you know, we're getting, we're getting the skill set and the representation that uh, is available in the workforce in Canada. I have a question for you. Like, mm-hmm. uh, in a way, you have a bit of an assessment, right? An assessment to see uh, where organizations are in their diversity hiring practices and employment practices. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you can put in place to evaluate a person's abilities before you actually hire them? And it may not be an assessment, but like, um, you know, trial period, kind of like dating before marriage. Yeah, uh, there's a lot that we can do that. And um, we we take advantage of a lot of uh, uh, funding from the provincial and federal government on hiring students. Um, yep. And looking at hiring uh, diverse students. I'm also an adjunct professor at UBC teaching employment law, and we've tapped into a lot of students coming out of Sauter, uh, which is uh, the Sauter Business School at UBC, which has been a terrific uh, source. But we're also mindful that, you know, it's, it's not easy to get into Sauter, right? You get a lot of skilled people, but there's a lot of people that, you know, don't, you know, because of the different barriers that they face, aren't able to access that level of education. So we, right. we, we, uh, we shop around, uh, uh, you know, quite a bit, um, but we we definitely use a lot of uh, of student hire programs because they're great. You get these young, energized people that have all these wonderful ideas, and they just want to learn how to do things right. And we'll happily tell them the way that we think they need to do that. Uh, uh-huh. and, and that has given us a lot of success. I think it's you know when we're we're a smaller company is is the 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 difference between hiring those students and the amount of time and training that they need versus you know when we look at our executive and what it is that you know the skill set that they bring the amount of time that they have to be able to fill that gap, that that's often a challenge as well. Um, you know, cause we, we don't necessarily have like as big of a middle management um, piece. We have, you know, much more senior and then uh, junior folks. Um, so looking, looking at, you know, how we can best explore that in a, in an efficient way. Uh, it's very interesting. I, I really would love to stay in touch with you because um, we're working on a project specifically for that younger generation mm-hmm. that, might be a good fit for you. We'll talk about mm-hmm. it after. Uh, yeah. But I think that you're a woman to watch. Uh, and uh, I I have no doubt that your company is going to seriously um, explode in the next few years. So I'm excited for you. And I'm excited that I've had a chance to meet you and um, have this conversation with you. Thanks, Kim. It was a really, really useful conversation. I'm going uh, to take away those Bits around having a term of uh, observation and and thinking about what skills are actually required. That's really helpful. Thanks. You're very welcome. For those of you who are listening, if there is a challenge that you have that you want to share on the podcast, please reach out to me. 
My email address is kim at frameofmindcoaching.com. And if you have a challenge that you're not so willing to share on the podcast, please reach out to me as well. My email address is kim at frameofmindcoaching.com. And just to wrap up, you know, very often as leaders, we are um, kind of stuck doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Uh, We have a sense and we put ourselves in the position where we are responsible for a whole lot. And it's not easy for us to pass on some of those responsibilities to others. And the greatest place to start is by really taking a look at what you actually do and examining whether or not some of that can be done by someone else. And so again, period of observation is what I recommend. Elizabeth, thank you so much for sharing this time with me. And I do really hope that our paths cross again very soon. So do I. Thanks, Kim. Thanks.